This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello there and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast. It's a wonderful Monday afternoon, glorious day, we're all stuck inside, so I hope um, I hope you're out there listening to this somewhere um, on your headphones. I'm Joe Rimmett, today I'm joined by three wonderful gentlemen. On my right, it's the man who does laps of Old Hall Street, it's Christian Walsh. How are you, Christian? Hello, Joe. <laughs> on my left, towering above us all, the tall man, tall Paul Gorst. How are you? Afternoon, Joe, I'm on it. And across, slouched across from me, it's the main event. <laughs> Everyone's favourite <laughs> LFC reporter, both home and away, James Pierce. How are we, James? Very thank, uh, very good, thank you, Joe. Yeah, very yeah. thank you, <laughs> very thank you, very thankful to be here. Yeah, I hope. And um, we'll start with James and some very positive news. We all woke up to this morning. James Mohamed Salah signed a new five-year deal at Liverpool. Yeah, decent, decent way to to start the week and to and to kick off pre-season. Um, I think it was no great secret that Liverpool had been very keen to kind of reward uh, what was a you know an unbelievable first season for him at the club. And uh, you know, I think it's a sign of just happy how happy and content he is with things on and off the on and off the pitch at, at Liverpool. The fact that um, those negotiations were so swiftly concluded, and um, yeah, you know, I've written a piece today on you know some people would be cynical and say you know what's the big deal? Suarez and Coutinho both signed ex- uh, you know lengthy extensions and were gone within twelve months, but. You know, it's still it's still a, 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 a fantastic piece of news for the club. You know, to have one of the you know elite players in the in the world showing that he um, is so committed to the club to you know to sign for five more years. And I think the, the biggest thing from it is the fact there is no release clause. Um, you know that that shows that isn't the actions of of a, of a man who's who's thinking about his next move or anything like that. It's it's the actions of a man who um, who knows that you know. Yes, he's been fantastic for Liverpool over the last twelve months, but also Liverpool's been fantastic for him, and and he wants to stick around for the long term. And you know that's a, a massive positive for Klopp going into the start of pre-season. Christian, deep down somewhere inside you, did you have any little worries that someone like Real Madrid could come along and try and snatch Salah from Liverpool? Massively, and yeah. you know I'll happily say it right here, right now. I think me and Andy Kelly were lamenting his departure at one point because it just felt. He was having such an incredible season, and you you look at the way he was playing for Liverpool, and you thought Real Madrid—they're just going to come in for a two hundred million pound bid here for for him, and, and Liverpool will will have no other option but to say no. Obviously, it's since the merge that you know, the club have made it clear that he's he's most definitely not for sale. They've got no intention of selling him whatsoever. But th- th- there was a time there. I think I think AK was uh, was most perturbed when he took that penalty against um, Huddersfield, and he, and he missed and. Uh, or was it Huddersfield away? I think it was actually in January, and he was saying those are the actions of a man who's trying to boost his numbers and and, and uh, catch the ice somewhere else. But ultimately, I think what's developed over the course of the season is is his actual you know close bond to Liverpool. He's not a mercenary. That's not to say Suarez and Coutinho were, but he's somebody who obviously is is bought into the club. He, he's very much uh, part of the fabric of the club nowadays, and you know ultimately he's. He's been accepted by the cop. I can't remember a, a player maybe since Suarez was accepted and Torres was accepted, but this is almost unedifying, undying love, isn't it? It's 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 un, it's unreal how how much the cop have taken to him. He's done more and more interviews. He's saying more and more nice things about the fans and and, and how he loves his song. And you know, even if we want to look a little bit deeper, his, his agent Rami Abbas, who's who's very sort of vocal on Twitter and Instagram, you know, he seems to love the idea of of his client being at Liverpool as well, which is is important. So, it's 
it's all very positive now. I did think that there was a possibility he might go, certainly, you know, this summer or, or, or next, but I think this new contract allays those fears a little bit because, you know, the club is saying that he's not for sale and, and ultimately he's, he's put, you know, pen to paper and, and, and he's committed. I suppose it's only natural, but Paul, when we when we tweet out the news or you put it on Facebook, you, you only have to read the replies to see fans saying, oh, we've been here before, Luis Suarez, Philippe Coutinho... But as James mentioned, does this feel a little bit different from those two players? Yeah, it does slightly. As James said, you know, the likes of Luis Suarez and Philippe Coutinho kind of always wanted to to, to end up at Barcelona, you know, however they, they manage that. And um, it do, doesn't quite feel that way with Salah because, as James mentioned in the piece he's written today, it's, um, yeah, you know, he doesn't quite have that emotional connection like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some South American players do. Um, I'd, you know, I just think the last 12 months, Mohamed Salah's really, like, catapulted himself into the, the absolute world elite, hasn't he? Like it, was a, it was a bit of a gamble for Liverpool to spend nearly £40 million on him uh, 12 months ago. Liverpool kind of knew what they were getting in terms of the pace and he was going to operate that wide, but as soon as he come in and he's just, he's just scoring goals left, right and centre, in pre-season, you were looking at him and you're thinking, OK, Liverpool have, have got a player here, but he's just kind of just developed and improved every single week. And, he, you know, you, you can't really stress too much how how great a season that was uh, unfortunately he didn't end up with any silverware um, obviously the Champions League final was, was something of a nightmare and it was just so so unfair really how he left the, the pitch in tears after that shoulder injury but 44 goals in his maiden campaign just just unbelievable and, and you know I, I, I've never seen anything like it personally from from a Liverpool player just goals, that particular season I was just going to say he's only been here a year mm. I know it, it seems that he's been here longer because he scored 44 goals but ultimately Philip Coutinho gave Liverpool five years of his career Luis Suarez gave Liverpool what was it three, three and a half three and a half yeah you know he's only one year in so you know th- there shouldn't really be any, any worry about the Coutinho or the Suarez happening here not, not in the, in the immediate future anyway mm. James this time of year everyone's I'm sure everyone's asking you about transfers 24-7 but is this Liverpool seem to have a, a two-fold strategy. They've rewarded Firmino recently with a five-year deal. They've got other players tied down. Um, how important is this side of things as well? Is, is this signing, this will be as important as any signing this summer, won't it? Yeah, there's no question about that. I think, um, you know, you go back to January when Liverpool with a heavy heart sold Coutinho and I remember Klopp saying then that, you know, he said, you know, this is a one-off. He said, this won't, mm-hmm. this won't happen again because, you know, one of the big things for him was to make Liverpool a final destination for top talent. You know, he said it can't be a stepping stone anymore. It can't be viewed as, yeah, I'll go there for a year or two and then that will get me a move to you know a properly big club where I can actually compete and win the, the big trophies. And he said, we, we've got to be that final destination. And I think Coutinho was a different situation because you know, he was, as Paul said before, you know, that was that was his dream or from, from the very start, you know, to, 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 to get to Barcelona, however... However, he managed it, and um, you know he, he couldn't be talked around, and, and and in the end, Klopp felt you know I don't think it, it didn't sit well with Klopp. You know, the summer before, keeping someone who didn't want to be there, and because he still wanted to go, they 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 did that deal. But I think you know Klopp was adamant then that that wasn't a sign that you know Liverpool are a selling club. If you want, you know that 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 won't happen. And since then, I think you know you can only judge them on actions and. You know, the, the Firmino getting that one done before the end of the season was was a big step forward. This is another real statement of intent as well. And you know, Sadio Mane will be the next one. And uh, you know, keeping those players for the absolute peak years of their careers is absolutely huge. You know, more important than any other you know signing, I'd say, because you know, ninety one goals between the three of them last year. 
and you look at the ages of them as well it's not as if they're none of them you'd say are at their peak or or, or beyond it at the moment you know um and i think the, the big thing now what will define how long salah stays at liverpool would be how, how successful they are because i think players pretty much want three things they want playing time money and success and and obviously he's got the playing time he's certainly got the money now that he's up there with the, the highest wage earners at the club on around 200 grand a week and now he'll want like all Liverpool fans he'll want trophies and um, if Liverpool and Klopp can deliver that in the next few years then there's no reason why Salah can't stay at Liverpool for, for the long term It's a nice bit of positive news isn't it for Salah after what's well, been a difficult month for him hasn't it Christian? It's been horrible after after the season of so many highs to, to end it on such mm. a low it, I think Gorsi said it was unfair and that's, that's the way that he uses He's given joy to so many people, not just in, in Liverpool or, or Liverpool supporters, but of course the entire nation of Egypt. So, yeah, it's it's nice to see this happen because it really did feel like the, 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 the fates were conspiring against them, certainly in the final. I mean, I watched the Croatia versus Denmark game yesterday and I think it was Brozovic had a similar sort of incident yeah. where he fell on his on his shoulder he dusted himself off and carried on the game and you're just thinking well, what are the odds what, what, really what are the odds how many times do you see something like that happen and he dusts himself down and the fine so you've got that to contend with obviously left the, left the, the, the pitch in tears had a massive effect on Liverpool's performance after that as well like, you know, I, I genuinely believe Liverpool could have easily won that game if Salah stayed on and then he's obviously faced a race against time to get to the World Cup didn't play in the first game lost that game that he didn't play in the last minute and that was really the deciding game wasn't it because one if you don't beat if you don't if you don't take a point off Uruguay then you're playing catch up you play Russia and Russia just are doing what Russia are doing in this tournament they've shocked everybody so he's, he's scored a goal but they've lost there and then he scores again against Saudi Arabia but they lose that and, and ultimately the first World Cup in since 1990 so that's what 28 years and it ends with zero points and it's just it feels like he's had an awful, awful month of it. Um, but what this does show, I think, and, and this is what Klopp's really good at, I think this is what the club are really good at at the moment, and he did it with the Champions League final as well, is looking forward. You know, after the Champions League final, within 48 hours, Fabinho was signed, and it was just a little bit of a message to say, mm. look, we know that every, you know, what happens, it, it's not great, but let's start to look forward. And again, with this, it's a case of, even if it's not intentional, it draws a line under what's happened now. It, it feels like Kiev's gone, even the World Cup to a degree is gone. He's got going on holiday, but he's coming back a Liverpool player, a new five-year contract signed, and it's a boost for the club and it's a boost for for the player himself, and it's it's it's, it's much deserved as well because you know, ultimately he he is one of the good guys and he deserves good things, and hopefully Liverpool can give him that. I think as well as what what bodes well for Liverpool is the navigator there who's, who's just literally started his contract yesterday. He's twenty-three, Fabinho's twenty-four, same same deal. Um, Salah, new five-year deal, 25. Roberto Firmino signed the contract in April or May, was it? Uh, I think he's 27. Sadio Mane's round round about 25, 26. So they've probably got a, a core there, and if they can keep hold of that, you know, nucleus of players, who knows what they could achieve the next few years? Van Dijk's 26 as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, James, you mentioned Sadio Mane. How much of a priority will that be for Liverpool now? Because he's been a revelation, hasn't he, since he's moved from Southampton? Yeah, I think not. it's not really in terms of... There's no urgency, I think, in mm-hmm. terms of keeping hold of him. I know there was stuff about him being linked with Real Madrid or in the window, but no, I don't think there was anything anything to worry about there. I think it's more similar to Salah in terms of rewarding a player mm-hmm. that's made such massive strides forward. It's only right that you kind of... You recognise that and say, yeah, you know, you are a different player now to the one 
two years ago when you arrived from Southampton. You know, you've made that leap and you deserve to be rewarded accordingly. So, um, so yeah, I think that that's one that's in the pipeline at the moment. Wouldn't I wouldn't foresee any massive issues as we know. You know, he's represented by the same agent as, as Naby Keita. Um, you know, Liverpool obviously have good relations there. Um, so yeah, I think you know it's only right that that Mane uh, is gets gets the same the same treatment as as Firmino and and Salah because I think you know probably his contribution went under the radar a little bit last mm. season just because Salah was so sensational that um, you know when you think at one stage we were kind of talking about you know what happened to Sadio Mane but it was it was a very small blip in in what in general was a, another massive step forward for him I think you know he got to twenty goals didn't he. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he he is properly in that elite bracket now, and uh, yeah, I think he's still got three years to run on his contract. But yeah, Liverpool will wanna will wanna get that one that one done. And I think yeah, Firmino and Salah now they're out the way. That'll that'll be the one that uh, they prioritise. It's an interesting point you make because we all talk about new signings and new players, but it's very very important, isn't it, to keep the players that you've got happy? Do you know yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, huge because I think. You know, and it does. It does come down to, you know, obviously money plays a, a big part mm-hmm. in it. You know, with, you know, the way that I think that's what's interesting as well that Liverpool do not even entertain now release clauses, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, you can debate the rights and wrongs of that. It probably, you know, it certainly played a big part in them losing Emre Chan yeah. because that was one of the big things that he wanted in those negotiations. But I think also the way that the football transfer market is 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 changed so much. I think it'd be be quite difficult even to say with Salah how would you even I don't even know what release clause you'd put in his contract if you were trying to you know, would you, you know, would you make it 200 million or, well, you know, or are we going to be sat here in a year's time going actually 200 million is almost you know that's not actually that much of an eye-watering figure anymore and look at Suarez well yeah. In, yeah. in Spain I know that they kind of deliberately priced them you know stupidly high yeah you know in the hopes of nev- it never being triggered and I think that's what they tried with Neymar and, and Paris Saint-Germain come along and said actually we'll pay that um, so maybe just having that policy of no release clauses, full stop, is, is the way that the pool are going to obviously carry on, carry on doing things. I yeah. think in Spain it's actually related to the contract. I think it's sort of the contract value, and it's got to reflect that. So you got someone like Jan Oblak who's meant to have what eighty-eight million 88 pounds. Apparently, yeah. So that's sort of reflective as a thing. But so yeah, it, it's you know you look at something like Sandro Ramirez, was it? it was yeah. um, five million? Yeah. From Malaga, where Everton signed last summer, and that's because he was on low wages. It's just it's a, it's Russian roulette, really, isn't it? Because as you say, you if you start in certain clauses left, right, and centre, you don't know who's going to explode. You know, mm. you don't know who's going to have an incredible season. And all of a sudden, yeah. they've got forty. You know, let's say Liverpool put a fifty million pound release clause in every chance contract. He has a season where he absolutely dominates the whole midfield, and then it looks like it's it, it's it's small change. Mm. Okay, let's move on a little bit because uh, Liverpool back in Melwood training today. Um, not everyone, Salah, of course, won't be back. He, he's after being in the World Cup, he'll have a few more weeks off. As same for Mane, and obviously Firmino will have it even longer to, before he comes back. Uh, James, what will Jurgen Klopp and Andreas Kornmeyer have in store for them? I can imagine many, many sprints for them today. Yeah, it'll be it'll be tough for them, especially in this heat. Um, yeah, I think it'll be a grueling few weeks. Certainly, having having usually on the tours, get to watch a fair bit of training in pre-season, and um, you know, quite often double and, and triple sessions planned um, and I think you know, it's, it's well known now uh, obviously the, the fitness side of it Klopp plays places such a you know a massive value on and and uh, you know getting getting all those uh, kilometers into 
the players' legs and getting them ready because you know it's actually quite a short turnaround before the first friendly. You know, they'll be playing at Chester on Saturday. Um, you know, I'm sure he'll use all the UK-based friendlies to, to give as many people minutes as possible. You know, we'll be looking at a different team in each half. Um, but yeah, I think um, you know from from the photos we've seen so far, I think you can see there's a lot of smiles around the place. You know, a lot of them seeing each other for the first time, effectively since since Kiev, really, from when they got what they get back at five o'clock in the morning the, the day after the final and all all went their separate ways. Um, you know, obviously an important week for Naby Keita and Fabino, you know, getting their their uh, their feet under the table and getting to know their new teammates. Um, but yeah, this this time of year, especially, you know, Andreas Cormier will have a a big part to play in terms of you know all the all the fitness tests and bleep tests that they'll do on on their return to the club. And you know, I think preseason has changed a lot, hasn't it? It's not like you speak to you know, Jan Mulby, who's one of our columnists, and you know he's got some great stories about you know he's effectively come back for pre-season and probably put on three stone over the uh, <laughs> over the, over the month I think uh, I think he tells one tale about um, I can't remember exactly which one of the backroom staff it was but he asked him how much he weighed on one side of the room and then when he walked across the room and got on the scales uh, and the, the backroom staff member said to him yeah now how much did you eat from there to there because uh, <laughs> what you said to us is quite true um, and I, yeah I think you know, you're in it to, you look at someone like Danny Ings is Instagram over the summer, you know, he's been. I think he's been in the gym every day. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah I, don't, I, I think it's 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 not like the old days where um, you know you spend July running off all the excess body fat. These are elite level athletes, so I think very rarely let themselves go. But um, and, and that will come in handy because they'll certainly uh, be put through their paces with Cormier in charge. Liverpool have got quite a few preseason friendlies already lined up. Um, not, I, I know. From looking at Everton, they they haven't hardly got any. They've got about four friendlies. Liverpool have got at least seven or eight. Do you I think, think that's nine? No. Is it nine? Is it sorry? Well, do you think that's by design from Klopp? Do you think he wants his team playing a lot of games, getting a lot of fitness, and being ready? So on August eleventh, is it season starts eleventh? That Liverpool will be fully ready to go. I think so. I, I, I think the proof's in the pudding as well. I remember in his first proper summer at the club. After he after he joined and uh, if you remember he played Barcelona on the Saturday in Mainz on the Sunday. Oh yeah, yeah. forgot about that. And it was yeah. just everybody was going, what what's got? And he beat Barcelona four 0 and he lost to Mainz four yeah. 0 <laughs> um, But ultimately, I think the idea is that there is such a, a, a an intricate skill to to the the plans. So he will look at the players and I think he says, well, I want X this player to play X amount of minutes over pre season. I want this player to play X minutes. And it's just about where you give them those minutes, and and, and I think that's what he what he does in terms of nine games is probably enough because as you say, it's a bit it's a bit of a red head in that because ultimately nobody I don't think will play more than forty five in the first four, no. um, and until you get to the tour of uh, of the United States, that's where maybe you'll get the sixty minutes, the seventy minutes, or even the ninety minutes. So I think it is just all about cramming as much game time in as possible. It's not just about fitness as well. I think he likes to try a few things. I was at Wigan last season with James and first game Salah scored, I think, um, in the Liverpool shirt. And Ben Woodburn was the number six for a while because it was just he was just Wayne Alden played number six for a little bit and obviously he ended up playing in that position in the Champions League quarter final second leg. So I think it's it, it's twofold it is to get, you know, minutes in the legs and, and get people, you know, match fit um as much as possible. And I just also think it is a way to to try out a few different things and just you know decide if that's the if if, if, if certain things in his mind are going to play out. So I think Milner ended up left back, didn't he, for the twenty sixteen seventeen season? Did did he? 
I can't quite remember. Did he play left back Jordan pre-season, or was that just that was absolutely? I, I think he did. No, I did give him a couple of goes. Yeah, yeah. so he, he tried them there. Obviously, we saw Dominic Solanke last last summer. Nobody knew what was going to what was going to happen to him. Everyone assumed it was either a loan deal or under twenty threes, and and Divock Origi ends up basically leaving the club on loan because Solanke had impressed so much during pre-season so it's a way to impress as well I think he, he, he is a firm believer Klopp in giving people a fair chance and, and giving them as much opportunity to do so so nine games for him is, is, is more than enough I think We'll talk about who needs to impress in a few moments but first James can you just talk us through Liverpool's pre-season plans because of course they're away in the States I think for nine days you'll be there with them and then they go to Evian in France that's the plan yeah yeah. yeah. I mean the, obviously since Klopp's come in the, the, the tours have changed a fair bit because I think you know under Brendan Rodgers they seem to be getting longer and longer and you I certainly have been a few, on a few of those trips where you felt as if it was almost that the football would become almost a sideshow to the, the commercial side of things and you know you'd be you'd be spending more time watching Jordan Henderson make sandwiches in Subway than uh, <laughs> than actually what was going on in the training ground yeah, but, I don't think um, you were complaining were you no no, no. <laughs> I always remember Ricky Lambert and Lucas were with a gulpy the, uh, the big Dunkin Donuts cup yeah, yeah. and you held a few koalas on your, on your trip yeah. around Australia didn't you as yeah well? that was good yeah, yeah, yeah. And Colo Colo yeah. ran off from a koala bear that was uh, yeah. yeah so I think yeah, and you know yeah, some of those trips were you know, they, they were, I don't know what it was like to play on, but just just to be there and go around covering it was was knackering enough because it was, you know, sometimes they'd be two two and a half weeks plus four or five games, so many different time zones, um, and I think it's interesting since Klopp's come in, you know, he's 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 really got a grip on that, and you, know, you have to look at you know the, the tours are much shorter now, um, you know, I think if you go back twelve months, there was a bit of a trade off there where rather than having to do the Far East and Australia. You know, he said, "Well, we'll do Australia as an end of season game, um, and then we'll just do Hong Kong, which is only a week." And um, you know, I think, I think what strengthens his hand is obviously then Liverpool had such a great season last season that, you know, then when you sit down with the club's hierarchy, it's you know, it, it certainly helps you have a, a greater influence on what the plans are this time around. And um, yeah, I think it's always a bit easier when you go to the states, just because I think in, in general probably the facilities are better. Mm-hmm. The you know, you think back to Hong Kong last year, and you know Klopp was in a bit of a foul mood early on because you know it was torrential monsoon conditions, and they were struggling to find somewhere to train. You know, that's not going to be an issue in America. Um, so I think, yeah, it's I think it's got the look of a really good preseason. It's interesting what you're saying before about the sheer number of games as well. And I think some managers maybe don't like so many games because they feel as if it gets in the way of training. But Klopp does effectively use them as a glorified training session. You know, I think think back to even on the, the tours quite often they'll have like a really tough session in the morning and then they might play a pre-season friendly in the afternoon or the evening it's not he doesn't treat it like a you know a, a normal game where they might be resting up in the hotel all day before going to play um so yeah it's going to be i think it's eight eight days they're away in america obviously playing charlotte against dortmund um you know, really good fixtures and then play against uh, man city in new jersey and then Manchester United and Ann Arbor, which is about 40 minutes outside of Detroit. Um, and then I think, yeah, the plan is when they come back to go away to France for a, for a training camp. Because um, I think they've got to get a week between when they get back from America and when they go and play Napoli yeah, in, in Dublin. Dublin. Yeah. Um, and then obviously they've got Torino at Anfield leading into the, uh, the Premier League. So, yeah, it's going to be a busy, what is it, five, six weeks. But... Um, I think the the good thing is it's the, the pre-season's definitely got Klopp's stamp all over it. Um, you know he will be, he'll be very happy. I think with, with what they've got lined up. 
Just quickly before we move on, a bit of credit to Liverpool as well because they're playing. They obviously play some local friendlies, and on Saturday at Chester, I think all the proceeds from that game go into Chester, aren't they? They are, yeah, yeah. It is a nice, a nice touch. I think, um, I think that's really important as well to help out mm-hmm. local, the local sides. Um, you know, there, there is obviously a r- ridiculous gulf between the, the the planet that Liverpool operate on, really, and and and, and local clubs who are trying to make ends meet. And um, yeah, I know. From speaking to people at the Chester end, you know, it mass- means a massive deal to them. You know, the fact that I think they're hoping for a four thousand plus crowd there on on the weekend. You know, that money will make a, a massive difference to them. And then, you know, this, just like it will do to to Tranmere a few days later, and and Bury and Blackburn. Um, you know, to help out for clubs in the in the northwest before they uh, before they head to the states. Yeah, we could see Naby Keita and and Fabinho make their debuts in that game, Paul. But Christian mentioned earlier, Divock last year, he, in pre-season, he saw Dominic Solanke jump ahead of him in the pecking order, went out on loan. Who, in your eyes, needs a really good pre-season at Liverpool this summer? Yeah, I would say Origi, actually. Um, I think me and you talked about it in Christian last week. I think this is kind of tailor-made for Origi to come in and, and nail down that, uh, that backup slot behind Roberto Firmino. Obviously, Dominic Solanke nudged ahead of him last season after an impressive pre-season. He... It didn't really work out for him in the Premier League. Did I think he got the, it? Was just the one goal against uh, Brighton on the last day. Um, Daniel Sturridge's futures up in the air. Ryan Brewster's coming back from from a long term injury, and he's obviously um, very young as well. So I think if Origi can impress in those fixtures, I think he can become the guy who's going to play when Firmino doesn't. So I think certainly uh, Origi. But uh, personally, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, Naby Keita in action. Uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one. Uh, I've seen quite a bit of uh, Fabinho over the last two or three years. Um, don't really know as much about Keita, and he's a bit more of a an all-action midfielder as well. So I'm really looking forward to him. But in terms of um, making your mark, I, I probably would say Rigi. Yeah, Christian. Yeah, I, I go along with that. I think Harry Wilson. I think yeah. he's he's got a big a big preseason ahead of him. I mean, you you wonder where can he go from here? You look at what he did at Hull. Um, it's a decent championship season now. If he wasn't a Liverpool player, would Liverpool be looking at this twenty-one-year-old Welshman who has done what he done a Hull? I, I don't think so. But you know, we know what Klopp can do with people, and we know what he can do with players when when he gets them on the training ground. So, you know, the, the sky's not necessarily the limit for Harry Wilson, but there's certainly a, a, a big development opportunity there. So I'll be interested to see how he does. To be honest, um, I, th- I think he's the one. Obviously, Liverpool are looking to strengthen in some way that those positions are wide, um, not necessarily with a with a tip top guy, but somebody who's you know can can fit in and slot in as a as a backup and be happy with that. So, you know, it depends on the player as well, doesn't I suppose it? It's whether he'd be happy playing backup. But I think Harry Wilson. I think he's he's a real big one. Um, I suppose Gruwich again. But the midfield looks so saturated at the moment, and he won't be back for another three weeks because of the World Cup. Um, and as I said to to Ghost as well yeah, last week, yeah, he, he's not with the the squad today. Um, they've been given a little bit of extra time off because of the end of season uh, international friendlies. But I just think Van Dijk, I just you know keep him fit, get him a good preseason behind him. Um, it'll be the first preseason in a while where he's had no injuries, no distractions or anything. And um, hopefully he can cement his place as what I believe where he is, and that's one of the best centre backs in Europe. Yeah, Christian mentioned the midfield there, James. How important is this summer for Adam Lallana, someone who had a 
really difficult season last year and now that midfield is very saturated isn't it with, with Cater and Fabinho coming in and then others to come back yeah it's going to be massive for him and obviously you know because he was overlooked for the for the World Cup you know he will be around for a, a decent amount of pre-season um, yeah re- really important period for him I think you know, people have got quite short memories haven't they you know he, because he had such a disastrous season last year through no real fault of his own you know people are thinking oh you know it, it, it's that's kind of like now passed him by and I've seen people saying you know that's you know I, I, you know, you you look at people's kind of prospective lineups for this season. I don't think Lalana even features, but you know, you go back to the to the year before, and, and you know, and he was arguably as influential as anyone for for long parts of that season. Um, you know, we always talked about how IDE suited he is to the way the club wants to play. Um, yeah, big thing for him is getting a full pre-season under his belt and 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 staying fit because you know we we know when he's fully fit what he can provide the frustration was last year he just he just never ever got a run because you know he obviously was missing for a long time having got injured over in the Audi Cup in in Munich and then um when he did come back he just seemed to pick up you know little niggly injuries here and there that that hampered his progress um so yeah it's a, it's, a, it's certainly a you know a, a you know a massive period for him i'm looking forward to seeing someone like Ben Woodburn as well and mm-hmm. someone who you know, again, he had a really frustrating year last year. Um, you know, hardly hardly got a look in, but still very very young. And you know, I'm, I'd like to think that, that he'll come back and really really grasp his chance. Um, you know, I think you, you think of the likes of Wilson and Kent and Ojo and people like that. You know, the the early friendlies are, are massive for them. I think in terms of trying to prove a point to Klopp, um, because you know some of those will be surplus to requirements most likely on loan but you know I, I don't think Klopp will be rushing to get any anyone out the door I think as we've seen from him you know the, everyone will start with a clean slate and it's up to them to, to to really show what they can do over the next few weeks Paul I'll throw another name at you in Nathaniel Klein yeah. someone who had a really difficult season last year sideline for most of it and saw Trent Alexander-Arnold establish himself as the club's first choice right back is there any way back for him and if there is is now the time for him to, to show him Show that he's ready to take that berth again. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge preseason for him, isn't it? Um, I always mention about Klein, he, he racked up about 90, 94, 96, 5 appearances, something like that, in about two seasons, and then just come to a complete halt last season, didn't he? Um, he only, I think he only came back around about March, April, something like that. So it's a massive preseason for him, actually. Um, I don't know whether he's going to have enough to usurp Trent um, in that right back spot now. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is a huge one for him. Um, but we'll see how he goes. It'd be, it'd be nice to see him again, wouldn't it? Because he was very much Liverpool's first choice main man right back for you know a couple of seasons straight, and then with the the disaster of last season, um, it'd be nice for him to try and put all that behind him and, and come back and, and try and get back to the form that had him nailed down in that position for two seasons. I do wonder about Klein a little bit, just because we know that Jürgen doesn't really like specialist players on the bench. Mm. Think about Sandy Robinson, Robinson, he didn't really get a look in at first because Klopp didn't want somebody who could only play one position. Which is fair enough. Obviously, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, it was seven subs. So I think with Klein, what you've got to look at now, so if he's not getting the team ahead of of, of Trent, and for me, Trent's number one now, I don't think you can can really argue Mm. against that. Um, You don't want to stifle his development. Um, So if Trent's number one there, you're looking at, well, will Klein be on the bench? And then you look at the fact that you've got. Joe Gomez, who can play right back and centre back, and then also you've got Fabinho, yeah. who can, if necessary, although he do, hasn't done it often lately, 
can also you know slot in a, a, a right back so you're looking at a specialist right back there who is is good he's a good pro he's he's solid um, he's dependable I do think it's one of those where you're sort of you know I, I, I was guilty of this myself you, you, you're sort of taken for granted and then you realise like well actually you know there's certain games where he will be you know a real asset to Liverpool but ultimately you know he, he's, he's almost competing with, with, with three other players there one in Trent one in Gomez and, and in a way one in with Fabinho so it is a big one for him, and I do wonder what the future holds for him because you just you just think, well, if he's not in the first team, is he getting on the bench? James, one man who wasn't at Melwood today was Zelko Buvac. Uh, can you bring us up to date with what's going on there? Um, well, I think I think it's unlikely that we'll see Buvac back at the club. Um, you know, I think obviously when. When he, when he he parted company and I think it was what was it late April I think it was after the the Stoke game um, Liverpool were adamant then it was only a you know a, sh- a short term thing and he remained a club employee you know to, to my knowledge that remains the case in terms of you know he's uh, there's there's certainly been no kind of official parting of the ways but um, there's you know the, the fact he's not there on the first day of pre season I'd I'd say is pretty telling um, you know knowing how important he is to or how important he was to the, to, the, to Liverpool's training sessions and and the input he had on the training field. Um, yeah, it's uh, you know it's a it's a strange one. Obviously, Liverpool were adamant that it was it, it was personal reasons that that he needed some time away. Um, you know, they haven't said anything else on that uh, until this point. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised if he's back. I think you know Pep Lind has obviously rejoined the the backroom staff over the summer after you know a difficult period for him and as, as a manager on his own in Holland and I think we'll see him have a you know, a greater input um, you know he, there's no doubt that you only had to look at how quickly Klopp moved to, to get him back on board to, to see how highly he is rated um, obviously he was in Kiev with them for the, the Champions League final um, so it'll be interesting to see whether Klopp does bring anyone else in or whether you know, it wouldn't surprise me if if we see like an an increased role for for Pep Linders, who effectively before was that kind of key link between the academy and Melwood. Um, but I think you know, I think his I wouldn't surprise me at all if we see you know his influence increase um, in terms of filling that kind of Bovach void, unless you know that situation resolves itself pretty quickly. Paul, someone who has left the club today. What is your favourite Adam Bogdan moment? <laughs> oh, how many? How many did you pick? Um, You're only allowed to pick one, Paul. Probably throwing one in at Watford after two minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, um, it was enjoyable. Yeah, he has left the club today. Anything else to say on that, Paul? <laughs> you just stopped. Yeah, no. I, I, you know, he's obviously. He, I was surprised actually. He's only gone on loan. Um, I thought Liverpool might have pushed for a, for a permanent deal, but obviously he's keen to to kick on and get some games under his belt, belt after that injury. And, and good luck to him. Surprised no one's paid a big fee for him then though. Yeah, that, you know, in terms of you know the goalkeeping situation at Liverpool, I think one exit that, that probably was uh, more anticipated than most was Adam Bogdan's. Yeah, someone who sneaked in today, Christian Isaac Christie's Davis. What's he like as a player? Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. Seen him since fifteen. He's good on the ball. He's got two legs. You know, <laughs> eyes, ears, <laughs> mouth. Got the yeah, he's got absolutely everything. Good ones. In all seriousness, he, he has. Um, he has. We've finally seen him in a Liverpool kit today, and Liverpool were set aside. He was released by Chelsea. Was he released or was he? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he, he was he, released, yeah. Yeah, part of company with Chelsea towards. The, he was one of those ones where he was out of contract in the summer, 
and I think he, he'd been told that he wasn't getting yeah. a, a new deal. So Chelsea basically gave him permission to go on trial to a number of clubs. I think he was at QPR for a period, spent some time at Liverpool, saw him play for them, the 23s. Um, I think it's just, it's, it's not one I'd be too excited about, to be brutally honest, at the moment. Um, I think it's quite a low risk you know, he was, he's a he's a free agent. Give him a you know, Liverpool have given him a contract. They they obviously feel that um, there's potential there that they can work with, um, and we'll see what happens. I mean, he had a decent pedigree in terms of nearly nearly ten years at Chelsea. Won the won the FA Youth Cup twice. Won the UEFA Youth League with them. Um, so yeah, but I think he'll he'll very much be part of um, of Neil Critchley's under twenty three squad. Um, you know, even with the players away, I'd, I'd be surprised if we see him thrown into the the senior friendlies. Um, but yeah, you know, I think the the fact that that he's attracted to Liverpool, I think, shows again because you know he knows that there is that pathway there that the likes of Solanke and and Trent and Woodburn have have benefited from. Um, and you know, I think the other nice thing from hearing from him today with the video that he's put out is he's clearly a young lad with a social conscience as well. The fact that he's signed up to this common goal, um, you know, the charity that was launched by Juan Mata last year, pledging a, a percentage of his salary um, to these charitable good causes around the world, which um, you know, good for him um, because uh, you know he it certainly won't be a kind of Salah-like contract that he's uh, he's put pen to paper on to to join Liverpool, but. Um, you know, he's already talking about wanting to make a difference on and off the pitch, and and, and hopefully someone will be talking a lot about this season. You know, you never you never quite know what could come off. You know, you you, you see these players who who who've hit, who've hit the heights elsewhere, and then you go, oh, did you know that they used to be at Arsenal as a as a youngster? And you're like, oh, right. So, so I'm not saying that will happen with Isaac Christie Davis, but you know, Liverpool have had success in the past doing this sort of thing in terms of plucking. Well, I suppose he didn't pluck. They just took him because he was on a free. But it's not not a, not a, not a, you know lower lower expectations. But you know, you don't think of Sterling, you think of Ibe, you think of Shea um, Ojo, Jerome Sinclair to a certain degree. You know, there's there's a lot of players there. Some have worked out, some haven't. I think David Amu, Michael Ingu. You know, you think of those as well. But it's obviously somewhere. You know, even if Liverpool aren't making the big signs that that you necessarily you want and and the ones that you crave. On all levels of the club, the the door they're always working behind the scenes. So you know, it's he's he's going to get a good education there with uh, with Critch, isn't he? So you know, it'd be good to see him in action. Fair play to you both for speaking for so long about Isaac Christie Davis. By the way. <laughs> when I jotted this down, I actually thought about this and thought, how are we going to fill this time? And and you've done a hell of a lot better a job. Special, we're doing a special next. Yeah, you've done a hell of a lot better job than Paul Gorse did with Adam Bogdan. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't couldn't get anything out of him. Adam Bogdan. Okay, we'll move on. The World Cup. Who else is loving the World Cup at the moment? By the way, I, I never wanted to abs- end. Yeah, abs- oh, Changed their tune these two. Yeah, yeah. Slagging oh, it off the other week. I told right. him this was a great World Cup. He was. He, was he the said he was bored. No, I sat. <laughs> I sat through one day of three consecutive one nils, and I just thought oh, all these teams are the same. They've got no nothing up front, and you shot me down. And since then, <laughs> to be fair, it has taken off. It, it's caught fire and. Fair play because it's been brilliant ever since. It's really core fire. The second game was free free. Oh, you know, <laughs> maybe that particular day was just a maybe I was just in a mood or something. I don't know. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. just it's. I I don't know how I feel about there being a mad team in the final though. I really don't know how I feel about it's, it. It's refreshing. It's re- it is refreshing, but it it's never happened in our lifetime, has it? So mm. it's it's a little bit strange. It happens in like we've said this before. I don't know in, in on the podcast or 
in the office or whatever. But it always you, you'll get the odd run. You figure like ninety four where you got like Sweden and Bulgaria, mm. but ultimately it ends up Brazil, Italy. And in two thousand two, it's Turkey, yeah. South Korea, but it's Brazil and Germany. But this year, it's actually going to be. Brazil or France versus Switzerland and yeah. it's just it's, it's incredible you don't mind do you as long as Brazil don't snot Sweden 3-0 in the final well I'm getting 1958 vibes I mean obviously I wasn't you get 1958 then. vibes <laughs> <laughs> what Christine you're a strange one. go on what, what, what are these well, vibes it, it was when Sweden hosted the tournaments and the, the, against all odds got to the final played Brazil and got absolutely battered I think it was 5-2 or something like that. You remember Paul? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you looking at him? I, I think Penn. I would remember he, it. I want. He doesn't remember this World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I've got this mad little feel that Russia get all the way to the final, and then Brazil just tear up and absolutely snot them. Yeah. James England not going to win it then, no. I don't know. I, I, you know, do you know what? It, it, it's ridiculous how it's opened up yeah. for them. I, I, no, I still think England will find a way to mess it up. Um, but. You know, you couldn't have wished for anything for anything better. You know, Southgate, he, he must be thinking. You're not going to admit it publicly, but think, hang on a minute. You know, I know we came in here with absolutely zero expectations, but suddenly the the way that everything else has panned out, and you know, you know, the the perfect storm in terms of you know Germany and Spain, and even the fact that obviously Holland and Italy didn't even make it. And there's not there's not one outstanding team, is there? I think. I think we did, we did a pod a couple of weeks ago. I said I fancied Uruguay, and I I still think I think Uruguay could win it. I think Uruguay could beat Brazil. Yeah. I think because I think they could like they could, they just certainly stifle them. And then when you see Cavani take take his it, like the way to that second goal the other night, just yeah, absolutely absolutely top draw. And um, Croatia, I, I, I didn't know, I had to listen to the game the Croatia game last night driving driving back up to Liverpool, but they weren't particularly impressive, were they? No, because no, um, I thought you know, they were the other ones that I thought had a decent well. chance. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's going to be. It, it really is wide. It is wide open. I tell you who must be absolutely fuming, Roberto Martinez. Because could you imagine? I mean, that, that that feels like the most. It's peak Martinez. That is, you, <laughs> you win a game of football against a decent football inside, and all of a sudden. You know, you, you end up against. All right, you got Japan in the last sixteen. Then it's going to be Brazil and, and, and France the next two games. If Belgium were in that side, the draw they would have been absolutely. I mean, you know what you say that they got knocked out to Wales in the quarters, didn't they? In, in the Euros, so nothing. For, they can't take anything for granted. But you know, you look at that side, and any of those teams on the other side, like Uruguay, yeah. France, Brazil, they must be thinking, oh, if only we were on that side. So. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. We did our uh, predictions piece didn't we before it started, and I, I tip France. And they haven't, you know, Argentina game aside, they haven't really overly impressed. But I just think it, it's it's tailor made for them now to kick on. I watched them back, and it was just just frightening how good oh, that performance so was. And it was kind of a, a moment where you kind of thought, you know, obviously he plays for Paris Saint Germain, and, and he, he he kind of earns his reputation at Monaco. But on the world stage, you thought this is a guy who's going to be one of the world's best for a good few years to come. And uh, I, I think France will, will go on and win it. As we're talking right now, it's about 15 minutes until kickoff in the first game, so I'll look ridiculous when I say I think Brazil win at a canter. Yeah. Yeah, so wait until Mexico knocks them out in the next hour. <laughs> yeah. France are very popular in my house. They've got some great options off the bench, though, now, haven't they? I thought we, we saw a lot more of their class against Argentina. They really yeah. they really came to the fore. I'll tell you what I like about this time, though, that this part of the World Cup is just the mad shouts that you get. So last night after the game, you can go on Twitter, there's all these Liverpool fans <laughs> saying Casper Schmeichel why don't they sign Casper Schmeichel as if we haven't seen him for the last five years in the Premier League mm. but Paul bizarre bizarre I know he played well and saved, saved 
penalty, but bizarre. He did, yeah. I mean, I kind of mentioned to Christian the other day, I think Liverpool fans, uh, realistically, I mean, it, it might not be a realistic target, but they kind of want a goalkeeper who's going to come in and be world-class, ready-made, you know, Jan Black or, or Alisson. Um, I, I think Kasper Schmeichel, you know, it's, is he an upgrade on Norris Karius? I'm not sure. He might be, but he's not. He's certainly not a huge one. So I was surprised by the amount of people who, who were kind of saying that yesterday on Twitter, but that's just that's just how Twitter is, isn't it? People only remember the last five minutes. It's just yeah. the World Cup, isn't it? Yeah. That, that's, and that, that, that's, that's the beauty of it, because you, you get excited, you go, sign that Mexican right back, he looks great, and then, yeah. you know, four years later, he's in the French third division. Yeah. yeah. James, we'll wrap things up now with um, a message from you. Teams are being <laughs> knocked out of the World Cup. Are we going to see some more transfers, or are you going to go all bad news, Pierce, on us? <laughs> um, yeah, I think it will start to move again. There you um, have it. Get excited. Go on. Get the uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, retaining interest in Shakiri that you know that's one that certainly it was always going to be on hold whilst whilst uh, Switzerland was still in the World Cup. So yeah, I think you know, and the, and the same with the Allison situation. Although I'm led to believe that you know the chances that you know there doesn't seem to be a great amount of confidence that will happen. But certainly in terms of Allison's future, you know, nothing's going to happen whilst Brazil is still in the competition. So yeah, I think as countries do drop out. Things will start to to happen again, and of, and of course now everyone's back at Melwood as as well. I think um, things will will start to move. Um, you know, I know there was some suggestions over the weekend that Liverpool had restarted talks with Leon over Fakir, but that that's not the case. Liverpool adamant that um, that uh, you know that there there hasn't been any any further discussions since 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 that broke down a few weeks back. So uh, I think that's probably the biggest one. You know whether does Klopp do what he's do, done previously where if he can't get exactly what he wants he, he sits tight and waits or or do they pursue an, an alternative so um, but yeah I think it will become a bit more a bit bit more lively in the, over the coming weeks because yeah it's been been very quiet uh, since the World Cup started there you have it Reds uh, Denmark are out the World Cup and Liverpool are going to sign Casper Michael <laughs> says, says James Pearce nailed on yeah nailed on we'll leave it there come and join us again on Friday where we'll preview the Chester game Liverpool's first pre-season friendly and talk probably more about transfers see you then ta you've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo